Hello everybody and welcome or welcome back to Deadly Archives. I'm Drew and I'm Anna and today we're going to be posting our very first two-part episode. So um, this part is going to go up today, this Sunday, and then next Sunday the next part will go up. So part two. Uh, hopefully we'll keep the schedule on or posting every Sunday and I think the week after next week mm-hmm. we're going to have a special guest host. Yeah, and that uh, I'm pretty excited for it, so I hope you guys are too. Yeah, the so. episode will come out throughout the week. It won't be on a Sunday. We'll have another, like, normal schedule. It's going to be, like, a little bonus. Yeah. It'll be a little treat. It'll be fun. So. so. Okay, that's all. We got the rest of March planned out, so hopefully this will be good. Also, we're filming this in the morning, and usually we film our episodes at, like, 3 in the morning, like, really late at night, <laughs> but we had a full, like, 8 hours of sleep. And it's like 11 in the morning, so hopefully this will be good. It'll either be really good or really bad. So Let's hope it's really good. Don't jinx it. Okay. Knock no, on knock wood. wood. That's not wood. There's uh, wood right here. <laughs> <laughs> so knocking on wood, this will be good. Okay, let's go ahead and get into it. Um, part one of the case that we're going to be talking about today is the Toolbox Killers, and we're kind of just going to do a brief overview of who they are, and then we're going to stop right before their crimes. So you guys are going to have to, you're going to be on the edge of your seat. Uh, I don't. I don't know what's going on. I don't know who she, yeah. she are. So usually, she usually doesn't know anything about it, but she really doesn't know anything about it. Cause I've never heard of these people. Yeah. I've heard of the toy box killers. Yeah. But I, okay, so I wrote the outline for this episode yesterday. Um, so she doesn't really know what's going on because I didn't know what's going on until like 24 hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the first guy we're going to be talking about in regards to this case is Lawrence Sigmund Lawrence Bittaker. is such a like serial killer name you know yeah it, it really is lawrence i feel like i've never met a lawrence ever i haven't either but i just feel like it's a serial killer name you know like um let's say what are some oh tyler hunter <laughs> um toby toby is a serial serial killer name uh jeffrey theodore Simon, <laughs> Alvin, <laughs> um, Scott, Scotty. <laughs> Those are some like serial killer names, I think. Okay, well, let's talk about the real serial killer now. Um, I don't know how far I got in that sentence. Oh, he was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, on September twenty seventh, nineteen forty. His parents He's really old. didn't want him though. <laughs> um. So they, they took him out of the family, and he got put up for adoption, and he was adopted by Mr. and Mrs. George Bittinger as an infant. Um, George? Took, yeah. That's the father's name. Oh. You know, he's like, Mr. and Mrs. da-da-da. Of course. It, it, it's... Never mind. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so he took his adopted parents' last name, because he was just an infant, uh, and his father worked as an aviator, which is like flying the planes. The glass sunglasses? No, like aviation. Like oh. flying planes and all that. So he was an Air Force? No. He was just, just... he was like a pilot and did oh. stuff like that. Stupid so, pilots. Never mind, they get us places. Never that's mind. so true. <laughs> so they moved around the United States a lot because of that. So uh also because of that he didn't have the greatest childhood. He was like always moving and didn't really ever settle down. Oh, so he has a sob story. He does. Um, his very first crime was when he was 12 years old, and he got a criminal record. Uh, he was arrested for shoplifting. 
Oh, it's not and that then, bad. And the next four years, so from 12 to 16, he was arrested for, like, the same kind of petty theft kind of stuff. And so that he was, like, a juvie. low, like... Yeah, like, he wasn't, like, yeah. he was a low-grade criminal. There was nothing crazy, but um, he got in juvie because of that for a little bit. Um, and so, although he was in juvie, he still was really good in school. He had an IQ of 138. Of course. Which is 135 or higher is in the 99th percentile. For your IQ, so he was he was really smart, um, but he dropped out in Probably 1957. Probably not smart enough if he got caught. <laughs> yeah, that's true. When I guess in part two, you guys will hear more about him and how he's a snitch. But anyway, so he dropped out of high school in 1957. Every case that I've done so far, someone's dropped out, but that's besides the point. So um, dropping out sounds amazing. <laughs> So when he dropped out, um, he lived in California with his parents, or his adopted parents, um, and within a year of him dropping out and living in California, he was arrested for car theft, a hit and run, and evading arrest. So he, like, ran from the cops, hit someone with his car, and then stole a car. (laughs) Um, Are those all in order? Yeah. Um, and so because of this, he was imprisoned at California Youth Authority, which he remained in until he was 18 years old. So from around 16 to 18, he was in the authority prison. Uh, upon his release, Benninger discovered that his adopted parents had disowned him. And he... (gasps) I would have disowned him too! (laughs) And he moved to a different state and he would never see his parents again. So that's two sets of parents that didn't want him. (laughs) Which is really sad. Um, (laughs) I mean, the second, the second set of parents is his own fault. Yeah. Well, Yeah. So, the second guy, we're going to move on from Benninger. We're going to talk about Roy Norris. Chuck so, Norris. He had kind of, not a similar childhood, but he definitely, they had the same kind of vibe at the end. So, Roy Norris. He got disowned? Eh, kind of. I'll just, it was just not a very good environment for him. He had a worse family life than the other guy did. <laughs> but, um, she's looking at my notes. Okay, so Roy, Lu- <laughs> Roy Lu- Lewis Norris. Chuck Norris. No. Wait, Lawrence and Lewis. I just now noticed They're that. They're both serial killer names. Yeah, so Roy Lewis Norris was born in Greenlee, Colorado. <laughs> I don't think that should be his middle name. I should feel like, I feel like it should be like, I don't know. Not Lewis, though. Like, Roy Medina. I don't know. I feel like it should Roy be like Medina someone... Norris. I feel Roy like Medina Roy Lewis. Roy Michael Norris. I feel like it's that should... makes sense. I yeah. feel like it should be like a Michael or, or start with an M. So he was born on February fifth, nineteen forty-eight. I, yeah, I don't know what it ma- that makes his zodiac sign. The other one was nineteen forty. I think so. Yeah. So yeah, they're eight years apart. Did yeah. I do that right? Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, Norris was conceived out of wedlock. Meaning his parents weren't married when he was conceived. Um, Because of this, his parents were forced into marriage. And they had to get married rather quickly because of the social stigma around, you know, giving birth I feel like a lot of people still do that. Like get forced into marriage or conceive out of wedlock? Both. Yeah, I was conceived out of wedlock. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, His father worked in a scrapyard and his mother was a drug-addicted housewife. So that's always... A common theme for the 1940s. Housewife, <laughs> drugs, and apparently hardworking men. Um, he occasionally lived with his parents, but throughout his childhood, he was uh, repeatedly in foster care families throughout Colorado. 
So, but his parents did not want him. They were just not fit to be good parents. Um, he claimed to have been sexually abused when he was in the care of his, I, whoa, words, when he was in the care of a Hispanic family, when he was, you know, in the foster care system. I don't know anything oh, about guy. this family. That's all I know. <laughs> um, this was, like, originated from a bunch of, like, neglect and abuse that he had went through when he was in the care of the Hispanic family. Um, and he, it really Why did Why do you refer him. to them as the Hispanic family? Because that's how everyone referred to him in his backstory, because there's nothing else we know about it. Oh. All I know is that it was a Hispanic family, and they had a lot of kids that they took in and out. So. Oh. Yeah, they came from Mexico to Are these Colorado. the rest of the serial killers? No, it was just him. Oh. Uh, Ooh. so while living with his birth parents, so now he's back at his, like, original home. He was 16. <laughs> Norris visited the home of a female relative. Um, she was in her early 20s, and he began to talk to her in a pretty... PG-13 manner. <gasps> and he was, like, trying to, you know... This is his family? Stuff. Yeah. So, um, if he Are you was... Sure they're, they're not from Alabama? I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> if he was sexually abused, that makes a lot of sense, especially moving forward, like, what he begins to do. So, um, she ordered... She ordered him. She was like, get out of my house. <laughs> and he left. Um, Norris's father was informed. No, but, oh. uh, he was, like... Roy Norris was, like, beat very severely by his dad because of this. Um, and then he, Norris was so upset about everything, he drove his, or he stole and drove his father's car up to the Rocky Mountains, and he attempted he to commit jumped. suicide <gasps> oh! by injecting pure air into the artery of his arm. So, like, right here. Can't that, like, cause it to explode? Yeah, I think that was the goal. Oh. Was to get his, like, veins to burst or something. It didn't work. <laughs> he was Obviously. later um, apprehended as a runaway, and he had to go live with his parents again. Oh. So, not a great place. Uh, when he returned home, his parents were informed that his younger sister and him were unwanted. Or, sorry, Norris was informed that his parents didn't want him or his sister anymore. What happened to his si What's wrong with his sister? What does she do? She just is there, and no one likes her, apparently. <laughs> um, so, they were- Does she die? No, she doesn't. Oh, okay. Uh, so they so kind of again. He, if he hurts her, I'm gonna kill him. They were still kind of bouncing around, um, and so the parents intended to divorce, uh, but you know that never really happened. They just kind of went their separate ways, and never anything was legal. Never really happened. And a year later, he Norris dropped out of high school and he joined the United States Navy. Oh God! See, yeah. like all of these serial killers have been like some type of like um, what do you call it? Force, like military, something like that. Yeah, Wait, I really there's always all the cases I've either, done. There's either always like Air a connecting Force or thing. Navy. Yeah. Uh, the one with first one I did, we did. I think he was in the Navy. The Black Dahlia. No, the Henry County. Oh, I think he. Yeah, yeah. The, everything I've done, there's always been like a military yeah. mention. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, he was stationed in San Diego in 1965, um, but during the Vietnam War, he was sent to go fight in that in 1969. Um, he will later get discharged from the Navy, like, officially. It was honorably discharged at oh, first, but there was, some, there was some stuff What'd going on with him. I'll get to it. Don't you worry. So, moving back to Bittinger. So, those were both of the two people's kind of, like, childhood and life. I thought it was Bittinger. Uh, Bittinger. Yes. Bittinger. <sighs> 
Um, we looked up how to say his name like 20 times. So, um, in August 1959, he was sentenced to an eighth, eighth month imprisonment. Um, he served that in the Oklahoma State Infirmatory. Oh, 18 months. Sorry. Thank you. Um, he was set, uh, set to serve 18 months. Purgatory? What? Did, no. did you say purgatory? No, reformatory. Oh. The same thing. <laughs> Um, he was later transferred into the medical center for federal prisoners in Springfield, Missouri, where he had to serve out the remainder of his sentence. Did you say Sprinkle, Missouri? Springfield. Springfield? Because he was not all there in the hood. He was kind of struggling. I think we could tell that from the very beginning. In 1960, he was released from prison. So, the, he gets in and out of prison so much. So, that'll be a lot of back and forth with that. So, like, try and keep those dates in your head. I so, am not good with dates. I failed okay. history. So, within a few months of his release, he was arrested again in Los Angeles for a robbery. And in May 1961, so a year after he was released, he got sentenced to 15 years um, in prison because of the robbery. Uh, while he was in there, the psychiatrist at the prison said he was highly manipulative. And the psychiatrist also said, quote... In reference to Bittiger, quote, have a considerable amount of concealed hostility. So he basically can, like, cover up how much he hates everything. He is very, like, he can put on a front with that and, like, feel a lot of hatred inside. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, he was released on parole in 1963 after committing two years of his 15-year sentence. So he gets out of prison a lot, like, for not serving his full term. So in October 1964, he was again, he was back in prison for a parole violation. Of course. Yeah, so he's really, he's really something. In 1966, Bittaker went, um, underwent further examinations by two independent psychiatrists, um, and they both said that he had, he was a borderline psychopath and was highly manipulative and unstable. Uh, and he was unable to acknowledge the consequences of his actions. How? So, a sociopath, maybe? Uh, dude, no. <laughs> he is not a borderline so psychopath. Or, psychopath, not, yeah. yeah. He is a full-on psychopath. <laughs> yeah. Nothing there is borderline. No. Um, he was prescribed antipsychotic medication because of this. Um, and then a year later, he was released back into society. So he is, he's back in the public. Wonderful. Um, a month later, he violated parole again in July. Um, he just has this or, routine sorry, going, Yeah, a month he? after parole. In July 1967, he was arrested again. <laughs> um, freaking, uh, July 4th? Fourth, fourth, July? No, July 1967. Uh, <laughs> um, he was arrested again and convicted of theft um, after leaving the scene of an accident. What is still Food, candy, electronics, people... No, just, like, theft. He, there was, like, an, a whole incident that happened, and he just, like, dipped. So, um, he was sentenced to five years, but was released in April 1970. So, that's only three years that he served of his five-year sentence. So, you know, he's been getting out of prison too much. In March 1971, he was arrested again for burglary <laughs> due to, this is a really... Bur 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 Burglary, bur, hon, burglary. Yeah, it's such a weird word. It's the Have same you ever thing. seen like? Is it like British? No, not is it British? English? What do you call them? Oops, sorry. Or Scottish people try to say it. It's so funny. 
I haven't, but wasn't there in the Catherine Knight case, didn't we talk about a word that was so weird to say? I it feel was like, like we did. What word was it? I don't remember. I don't remember either. I don't know, but blur, 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 burglary is the weird <laughs> word. <laughs> the uh, word that I hadn't really had to say, but like, like at work and stuff, the word jeweler like a jeweler, jeweler, jeweler. Yeah, like jewelry. A, the jewelry person. That's really hard for me every time I say it. That word's complicated. I don't feel like that one's that jeweler. Jewelry. Jewelry. It's kind of jewelry, but jeweler is not. Jewelry isn't that hard because my mom would like drill it into my head because I always used to say it wrong. Uh. It's like it's jewelry. It's like uh, people like correct you on how to say spaghetti. Spaghetti? Spaghetti. That's never happened to me. I've never been corrected on how to say that. <laughs> I have. Not, how did I say it? Skeddy? No. Oh. Spaghetti. 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 I don't know. I don't remember how I say it, but I used to get corrected on it all the time. <laughs> um, so after he... Same with filming and recording. Yeah. <laughs> um... I don't, I think I've already said this, in March 1971, he was arrested, oh, again for burglary, uh, due to a repeat parole violation, he was sentenced to serve between six months and 15 years of imprisonment in October 1971. Drew, I want you to take a stab at this. Do you think he served the full 15 years? No. That's a good <laughs> answer. He only served three. He was released from prison after Oh my after god. That. Like, he, he, yeah. So, he only had 12 years left. That's not that long. Well, no, but, like, He's fine. if you added up, if he served all these years that he was supposed to, he probably, none of the crimes that he committed probably would have happened. People wouldn't be dead right now. Exactly. Um, so, in 1974, he was arrested for the assault and attempted murder after he stabbed a young supermarket employee who accused him of stealing. Oh. <laughs> he was like, hey, you stole something. And he was like, no. And he pulled a knife out of his car and stabbed him. I was going to say a fork. No. Okay. So he responded by the stealing. He responded by the stealing accusation with stabbing him in the chest, oh. and he barely missed his heart. No, so, go for the neck. Uh, he He's attempted stupid. to flee the scene, but was restrained by two other supermarket employees. He did not stab He's those weak. people. Um, the employee, Gary Louie, who was the guy that got stabbed next to the heart, oh, they're he all survived. Louie, like L names. Yeah, I didn't notice that until right now. Is he another murderer? No, he was Was the that murderer. his supervillain starting? His supervillain arc, at yeah. his backstory, I guess. Um, but he survived, and oh. Bittaker was sentenced to the California Men's Colony in St. Louis Abisipo. I don't think you said that right. Abisipo? I keep forgetting, like, these are real people. I like, this is it. not just, like, a... No. Like, a, like a movie, t- like, uh, story. This one feels like a movie. I keep forgetting that these places are real places. That San too. Louis Obasibo. I... Another L. Gary Louie. I don't <laughs> think you're Lewis. saying that right, but okay. Obisibo. O-B-I-S-P-O. I don't think... I don't Obisipo? Think, I don't know. Um, so that wraps up, um, Benninger's, like, rap sheet. Up until, like, the murder. So that's, like, where he's at right now. So let's move into Norris. He has... Norris. He has a little bit, like, of a different kind of crime vibe, you know? Uh, So in 19... Or... Yeah. In 1969, November of that year, Norris was arrested and first known for his sexual offenses. So he started... Being so, he didn't have petty theft. No, he started. He out, was. He started he, out strong. Yeah, he like went for it. 
Um, he was charged with both rape and assault and commit rape and, and an attempt to commit rape. So he, this is like seven people that he's like trying to do all this on. And that all happened in 1969. Are they all female or like male they're all and female? female? No, they're um. all female. He was, I think that, so Biddinger, he was like kind of like a Jesus kind of man. He really, <laughs> like one lady, he like tried to make her pray before he killed her. Oh my God. And she said no. And he got really mad about it. So, I think that they were both kind of like... Does he become a preacher? No. Definitely not. But he thought he was. So, it was like one of those things where it was like, they very much stick to the Bible, but they were like, eh, killing's okay, I guess. <laughs> so, you know. Not- is, he one of those, is he one of those people that like think like they're like, God, God is coming to talk to him and tell me all, all these things? I guess, is it one of those stories? Yeah. Pretty much. Oh. It's, like, not one of those stories, but that's definitely an underlying theme, because yeah. he was, like, psychotic. Um, spoiler alert, he didn't take his meds, <laughs> his antipsychotics. <laughs> I don't take mine either, it's okay. <laughs> you don't have antipsychotics. No. You have to specify but... that. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, but I'm doing fine. Probably because you're not psychotic. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so, um, back to Norris. In the later incident... After all this happened, he attempted to force his way into the car of an alone woman. He oh was really trying to get in there. Yes. Did you hear about the? So there's this one. It was a police officer, and he would like pull people, like w- like women that were alone, like all like on the side of the road, and like it was like middle of nowhere too. And he pulled them over, and like for no reason at all. And he would like sexually assault them, uh, but one girl. She had her friend in the passenger seat with her dog, but she was laying down, so the police officer didn't see the other girl. And when he pulled her, pulled him over, like, he was shocked that, the, like, there was another person in the car with him. So he, like, acted all surprised and everything. And, like, they he pulled him over for speeding. Like, he was, they were, like, supposedly going 90, but they were actually going 75 because she had on cruise, cruise control. So. Oh, my <laughs> No, I didn't hear but about like, that. And, like, the dog was going crazy the entire time. So, good thing the dog was there and her friend was there. And then, like, yeah. He was acting really suspicious, but it's, uh, it's happened to a lot of other people. I, didn't I think know that's about another that. case we should do. Because it's really I think cool. So too. It's I not think really cool. But like, no, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I did not going. know about that. That's really interesting. I just found out about it. Um, so he was in prison again for that for three months, and then three months later when he was released in February 1970, so we're in 70s now, um, he attempted to deceive a woman, um, by following her into her home. He was like, I'm just going back to my house, but then he, like, swerved and, like, tried to get into her house. Oh my god. Yeah, he's, he's not very good at, like, planning things out. He just kind of, like, does them. (laughs) Um, so when- Hey! We're the same on that one. <laughs> Do not compare yourself to Roy Norris. Um, Why? He's got a cool last name. No. <gasps> what if he's related to Chuck Norris? I don't think so. You're really on that. I don't think he is. Look, I have my dog named after Chuck Norris, okay? <laughs> okay. Um, so, the woman refused to, like, let him in, obviously. So, he tried to break into her house. So, she singled Chuck kids? Yeah, she was alone. She oh, like, she yeah. was completely alone. She was completely alone. alone. Was um, she in a neighborhood, or just, like, kind of, like, down I the street? I am assuming, like, a neighborhood-type vibe, because he was, like... That's, like, the worst place her. to ever, like, try to break in. Like, you never do in a neighborhood. Never. Yeah. So the woman called the police because of a random man trying to break into her house, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and um, the police arrested Norris, um, 
And yeah, less than three months after this offense, Norris was diagnosed um, by military psychiatrists. Um, he was like not in the military anymore. He was discharged, but it was one of those things where it was like you still get the benefits. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. The yeah. So and he was diagnosed with. I, mean, I don't, but I'm gonna agree with you anyway. Okay. <laughs> um, he's diagnosed with schizophrenic personality <gasps> disorder. Oh. Yeah. That's so. That's not a good combination. Yeah, so then he was discharged from the Navy under the term psychological problems. And, yeah, so he's no longer in the Navy. Uh, I don't understand why he wasn't discharged a long time ago, but, hey, I don't control the Navy. So, in May 1970, Norris was on bail for his latest defense, the attack of a female student who he stalked on the grounds of San Diego State University. Oh, my God. Yeah, he didn't go there. What? He went there to <laughs> find her specifically. Um, like, she already had, like, this girl planned out, like, her specifically. Yeah. Or, like, I, he just had a plan, like, I'm going to find someone there. And then he found someone him. and then kept going back to her. Um, so, Norris, he, like, repeatedly struck her in the back of the head with a rock. So, okay, so he was stalking her and then he, like, was, he stopped stalking. He, like, pounced. Um, and so he hit her in the back of the head with a rock until she slumped onto her knees. That's um, such a weird word. These are, like, actual police, like, reports. There, a lot of their stuff is public, which is scary. But, like, I could get, like, criminal records so easily. So... Oh, uh, we couldn't get it for the last, or our first case, I which know, was upsetting. but this one, this one's a lot more well-known. And so th- some of this stuff is directly from, like, police reports. So she was slumped onto her knees before he repeatedly struck her again. Her, she's... <laughs> This is so bad. He, like, struck her head on a sidewalk. So, like, if you imagine, like, me taking your head <laughs> and, like, slamming it on a sidewalk. Yeah, so, like that teacher just did to that kid. Yeah. There was this thing in Indiana, and it's, like... Of course it's Indiana, too. Literally. But, so, like, this lady, or this man, he, like, hit this student in the face. Yeah. So, they're... they're you know, the, schools have cameras, right? Yeah. And so, it caught the teacher, like, pulling this kid down the hall... And then he pushed him up against the wall and then slapped him and hit his head on the wall. And, like, school walls, are like, they're, like, bricks, you know? Like, they're very strong. And eventually a teacher came out and saw, like, the like the teacher pulling him along after he hit him. And the kid falls down on the ground. And, like, another student just comes around the other corner and, like, this dude's trapped. Because after he saw the other teacher, like, he tries, like, he tries, like, Walking back the other way, but then there's another student there, so, yeah. He's, I think he's in jail now. I don't know what happened to him yet. I'm still trying to figure that out, but, yeah. He caught, he was caught slapping at a, a student. And then there's another dude that was, like, saying, oh, uh, like, well, there's always two sides to a coin. And <laughs> it's an old man that, has, like, that said this, too. Yeah. So, he's stupid. <laughs> Um, so, back to Norris, uh, he was obviously, you know, he was obviously caught for this, and he was charged with assault with a deadly weapon, and he was put in- That's a deadly weapon? Yeah, so he was classified as a mentally disordered sexual offender, (laughs) um, and he was in the state hospital, a state hospital, sorry, and he served five years in, like, the hospital prison thing in 1975. Obviously, it didn't do him any good. Yeah, well, the doctors declared- um, this individual as, quote, no further danger to others. Are they stupid? Literally. I don't, that's a common theme here. People just don't know what they're doing ever. Um, so three months after he was released, this part is really important because this is when, this is when some things (laughs) go down. So, um, 
Norris approached a 27-year-old woman walking home from a restaurant in Rolando Beach. Um, Orlando? No. Oh, I said that so wrong. (laughs) Redondo. Where where is it? Redondo. 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 At a beach. I don't know. um, He offered her a ride home on his... On a super sick motorcycle. Was it a moped or actual motorcycle? A motorcycle. Like a Harley or like a I don't know the little, specific type. like, sportster. But so she... Or was it like one like... She uh, denied to ride on the on his motorcycle. Um, and he really didn't like that, so he parked his motorcycle. And he grabbed the woman's scarf around her neck and oh. twisted it around her neck. Um, <laughs> See, this is why I don't like scarves. Yeah, it's dangerous. And, like, anything then, around your neck, you could easily be choked and then killed by someone. Yeah, so while it's wrapped around her neck, he was like, you know what? I should tell her what I'm going to do to her. And he was like, I'm going to rape you and what? put you in the bushes. <laughs> you should never tell someone your plan. So that's what he that's did. Like that's like, the, like um, the number one rule. Never tell someone your plan. So, fearing for her life, the woman didn't fight back at all. She was just really scared and didn't want to die. Fight um, back? Are you yeah, stupid? Yeah, well, because he said that he wouldn't kill her if he just if she just, like, let this all happen oh to her. Oh, my God. So, He killed know, her, didn't he? No. Oh. So, the rape was purported to the police, No, I would, I would rather have been her. killed than... Yeah, so, but she didn't want to, which is fine. Obviously, I wouldn't want to die. I, so... I, when, let that happen to me, yeah, I'd, I would rather be killed. That's yeah. You you have to live with that for the rest of your life. That's okay. So she reported to the police, and they couldn't find the guy, because she didn't know anything about it. Well, good thing he's dead now. Yeah. Well, it's Norris. But so a month later, though, the victim observed Norris' motorcycle and noted the license number, and then she gave it to the police. So she like saw his motorcycle like out in public, wrote down the license plate number, and gave it to the police. Which really smart on her part to write down the license plate number. So, uh, Norris was arrested for rape, and one year later, he was tried and convicted for this offense and sent to, listen closely, California Men's Colony in St. Louis Obispo, or however you say it. So, if you remember, that is also (gasps) where Bittaker is. They're both in the same place. Yeah. So, while incarcerated, uh, Norris met and befriended a young man. Do you guess his name? Do you want to guess his name? Which one are we talking about right now? Norris. Befriended someone. Guess who it was? Bittaker. Yep. Norris met and befriended Lawrence Bittaker. So, the flourishing of their friendship. Um, in 1977, Bittaker and Norris became loosely acquainted, and after one year of Norris arriving at San Luis Obispo, the men's colony prison or whatever. Of course. They're like the two crazies. Yeah. Befriend each other. So, uh, Bittaker's initial impression on Norris when he arrived at California Men's Colony was that he was a really savvy individual. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he was largely associated with hardened criminals from motorcycle gangs in addition to drug dealing contraband. <gasps> so, like, those kind of people, he was he was in it with, like, the hard crimes. Like cocaine, meth. Yeah. Like the drug dealer, like, rings. So, the pair gradually became closer and closer, um, and they began talking on friendly terms. Oh. Um, and that's when Norris taught Bittiger how to construct jewelry. Construct um, jewelry? Yeah. Made ju- Yeah. Out of what? Literally, I don't know. I don't know, they were at a prison. Why did he make jewelry? I don't know, that was just, like, their bonding thing. He was like, oh, you know what's really cool? <laughs> I can <laughs> like, make it's necklaces. It's like macaroni art or Literally. Um, so, uh, the pair... After they started making jewelry together, they got really close. 
Um, and according to Norris, Bittinger I, I saved guess people him. should try making jewelry together. I it's, guess. Apparently it's a good bonding thing. Um, so Norris saved Bittinger from being attacked by fellow, by fellow inmates, at least on two occasions. And that's directly from Norris. So he said that Bittinger, like, saved his life. So in 1978, the pair become even closer acquaintances, discovering that they had an interest in sexual violence and misogyny. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. They were like, you know what I hate? Women. You want to be friends? That literally was how it went. And they were like, oh, also jewelry? But so anyway, uh, Norris also really told Bittinger a lot. Um, and that a big thing for him was to see frightened young women. Um, and that was the primary reason that he had such a lengthy uh, sexual offense list. That's what Norris said. He said that he just like loved to see women scared. Oh my god. Yeah, and Bittinger said, in response to that quote, this is a direct quote, if I ever raped a woman, he would... I would kill her as to not leave a witness to that crime. So, Bittinger, he was really thinking, you know? Um, but again, Bittinger didn't have the sexual violence offense. He had kind of like pettier crimes, you know? So, when they were both alone and they like were just, you know, chatting it up in the yard, they talked about plans to assault and murder teenage girls after they were released. They shared and involved each other into these elaborate planned murders of teenage girls from nineteen to from thirteen to nineteen. Oh my god. That was their age range, yeah. So, um the pair vowed to be reacquainted with one another once they were like released. Like they were like, We're gonna find each other. There's there's weight on each other. Yeah. Cause Benninger was like, I get out early every time and Norris was like, I don't Benninger. know. Yeah, Bittaker. So, they are, like, little lovebirds. Uh, honestly, that's how I was thinking the entire time. Are they? they no. Oh. No, but they definitely... That would have been meant for, like, a great plot. No. <laughs> I mean, if they didn't kill anybody, maybe. But so, Bittinger was released from the California men's colony on October 15th, 1978, um, and he returned to Los Angeles and found work as a skilled mechanic. Mechanic. Okay, somebody with a wrench? Yeah. <laughs> So, um, this work earned Bittinger a thousand dollars a week. What? Yeah. He was getting paid. Um, despite classifying Dude, himself as- Dude, horses you can buy with that? Or cats and dogs or property? A lot. Like, if you save up, like, you could be, probably be rich. Yeah. So, he often said he was a criminal, but people didn't really care because they said he was really friendly. So, he moved into a neighborhood- Of course. And got a reputation as being a generous and helpful individual who occasionally donated money to the Salvation Army. So, he was a really, really good guy. Um, on one occasion, he was known to have purchased large quantities of fast food and wine, which he handed to homeless people in downtown Los Angeles. <laughs> so... Yeah. But <laughs> he was really popular- So, he's playing the try to play the good guy card. Well, yeah, he was really popular among local teenagers, um, and later he admitted that the primary reason was because he always had beer and marijuana and would often give it to the teenagers and help them, like, socialize with adults. Oh my god. Yeah. But nothing, no violence yet. So three months after Bittaker was released from the California Men's, Col California Men's Colony, on January 15th, 1979, Norris was released from that same prison, and he moved to his mother's home in Renando Beach. In the basement? Yeah. So, um, remember his parents were like, we don't want you anymore. We're getting a divorce. Well, now he moved back in with his mom. But so, uh, within one, one month of his release, he had raped a woman who he had simply just abandoned in the desert. Oh my God. Did she die? No. She survived. But he just is like, so like Bittinger very much tried to get his life 
back, or, you know, allegedly. And then he was, like, straight out of the bat, started, like, committing violent crimes again. So, shortly thereafter all this happened, he received a letter from Bittinger. They, their vow was strong. Um, and in late February, the pair met at a hotel and rekindled their plan oh. to kidnap and rape girls. By making jewelry? Literally. talking over making, like, <laughs> making jewelry? So, they were really, like, this was a well-thought-out plan. Because, um, like I said, Obviously Norse doesn't really make plans, not. but Bittinger does. So, they bought a GMC Vondra van um, that Bittinger and Norse purchased to help commit their abductions. Why not Ford? <laughs> I don't know. But or, so like a Mercedes or so, an Impala or any other car. Well, Bittinger decided that they would Why need that. Why does it have to that, be GMC? I'm going to tell you. They decided that they needed a big van and the GMC did just the job because if they got a car, Oops, they couldn't think. fit the girls in it. Oh. So this is <laughs> like a murder van. Um, so Everybody's got a murder van. With financial assistance from Norris, Bittinger purchased a silver-gray 1977 GM Veranda, like I had said. Um, so, it, so it's, it's Lily, it's, it's like those, yeah. like the, van, the white vans, that Kinda, like, yeah. you, like the ice cream trucks. Yeah. Um, and February 1979 is when he bought it. Um, the vehicle had, vehicle had no windows, and one side had- Do you know how suspicious that looks? The one side had the large sliding door. You know, so it's very much like the van. It's literally a suspicious car, and people know to stay away from those cars. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then you're stupid. Well, they were looking for this car specifically, because according to Benninger, the sliding door, um, he told Norris it could, quote, pull up a real close to a teenage girl and not have to open the door all the way. End quote. So he was like, they were planning this Just out. Just get, like, a minivan. <laughs> take out the back seats and everything. Well, Drew, do you want to know what they nicknamed this van? They give it a nickname. You want to know what it is? What? The Murder Mac. The Murder Mac? That's what Norris and Bittiger called the band. At least come up with a better name. Literally. This isn't like a press thing. Like, they were like, this is the name of our van. Dude. At least, so, well, they could have at least come up with better names. When I think of that, I think of like a Big Mac from McDonald's. That's what I was thinking too. I was like, what kind of name is, where did Mac come from? Literally nowhere. Um, so. They're probably like high or like junk when they literally the name. So after purchasing the Murder Mac, um, from February to June 1979, Bittaker and Norris picked up over 20 female hitchhikers. Um, this is not the murders. This is leading up to the murders. So they're still, you know, going they're practicing at practicing right now, exactly. but not killing. Exactly. So the pair didn't assault these girls. They were just practice runs to see how quickly they could kidnap and lure people into the van and what locations worked best for it. So, in late April, the pair found an isolated fire I'm sure fire these girls were terrified after they found out, like, they could have died. They could have been one of the victims. Yeah. Like, after this came out, like, on the news and everything. Yeah. So, they found this isolated, like, little road in San Gabriel Mountains. Um, Bittaker broke and opened the locked gate with a crowbar and replaced the lock with the one that he had bought. So, now they have a location to perform all this. They have the Murder Mac and a place. <laughs> and that's where I'm going to stop for this episode. Oh. So, right now, when we're ending this episode, we know that they have the perfect killing spot, the perfect killing plan. They've practiced. Now, it's time for the actual murders. 
So, you'll have to stay tuned for next Sunday's episode to figure out how all those... Now, I want to know how this finishes. <laughs> Too bad. You're going to have to wait. No, I have to wait. I don't want to wait. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you guys are going to have to wait till the next episode when we're going to go over their murders and then when they got caught and how um, a certain someone is kind of a snitch. So, <laughs> um, yeah. That's all for today. Stay tuned for next Sunday, and I guess we'll see you then. Bye. See ya.